0: Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I'm Persuaded podcast. Thank you for tuning in on Fridays or whenever you tune in during the week. Maybe you're riding down the road. Maybe you're working out. Maybe you're sitting in the living room. But just thank you so much for taking a few minutes, maybe about 20 minutes each week, just to tune into this podcast and just get some biblical insight on some current events and get some answers to some biblical questions and then just get some things that are on my heart. And so tonight, that's kind of the avenue we're going to be taking. Last episode, we looked at a question regarding a kind of heavy topic in Scripture regarding speaking in tongues. And what does the Bible actually have to say about that? Because That's a prominent thing here where, we're, where I live I'm in Seagrove, North Carolina. There's just a lot of different teaching about speaking in tongues, and so I thought that was good to clarify where I stand biblically on that topic. And so two weeks ago, or two podcasts ago, rather, I should say, um, we looked at Genesis chapter 3. We looked at the first few verses, I believe verses one through six, and we really just discussed Satan's tactics and how he will dev- how he tries to devour you in your Christian life. And so we looked at how Satan will try to set a snare, or Satan will try to set a trap. Satan will try to just get you right where he wants you to cause you to sin. Now, we did answer the question, Satan cannot make you sin. Satan can just tempt you to sin. You and your free will choose to sin every time that you do. But Satan is no respecter of persons. So Satan is going to bring everything he has to the battle. Satan is going to try everything he can, every way he can rather, to cause you to sin, to make you sin and to trip you up. That's Satan's game. That's what Satan wants to do. And so it started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 It goes all the way through the Bible, the New Testament included He even tried to tempt Jesus Jesus did not sin, we know that he was our perfect sinless substitute But he does the same thing to us today He sneaks up in ways that we would not recognize him And we were tempted And then sometimes, like Adam and Eve, we do fall into this trap or this sin of Satan. And so we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3 because really my heart's just been here for the past couple of weeks and just the teaching that's here with the first the first people that God created and how they entered into sin and then what happened after they entered into sin. So tonight we're going to look at just a couple of things um, that sin produces in your life and in my life. And so some things that I believe we should be looking for in our life that sin produces In our life, we're going to read verses 7 through 13. And so, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to just look with me at Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And we're going to go back to these verses a couple of times as we read Scripture and as we study it tonight. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I have commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. And I did eat. So we're gonna look at those verses tonight, kind of just piggybacking off of two episodes ago where we looked at the traps of Satan, and we're kind of gonna see what sin can produce in your life when you allow sin to take a foothold in your life. And I and we see this all the time. We see how sin just destroys lives. And so we see how sin just really just devastates the Christian, if they let it take stronghold and foothold in their life. So number one, we're going to look, sin produces counterfeit motives. Sin produces counterfeit Motives, And so this is the first time that Adam and Eve are going to see each other after they have sinned here in verse 7. And so as we said in the last podcast, Satan will always make sin look fun. He'll make sin look rewarding, but he will never show you the aftermath of, of sin, or he'll never show you how sin is ruining someone else's life. He did not show Eve, and he will not show you and me either. Here immediately in the passage, after they had disobeyed God, their eyes were opened once, they were, once before they were clothed with God's light, they were clothed in God's righteousness, they were clothed in perfection, they were sinless up until this point. And so much like we are once we're saved, we're clothed in the righteousness of God because He has taken away our sin. But because of their disobedience here in Genesis chapter 3, God removed that, um, that covering from them and they now realize that they are unclothed. Here they were standing and seeing the direct consequences of their sin. As they looked at each other, they could see the direct consequences of their sin and what they had just done. And so now instead of doing what they ought to do, which would be run to God, embrace God, find God, they do the exact opposite. They act like They're going to try to fix it on their own. They act like we do a lot of times and try to handle situations by ourselves. And so we make our sin worse and we go deeper and deeper into sin instead of just running to God. But I want us to notice what Adam and Eve do here in this this passage. They take fig leaves, they sew them together, and they make themselves aprons is what the Bible says. This is their way of trying to hide the fact that they had sinned. So they are realizing what they've done they're realizing they're unclothed they're realizing that the righteousness the perfection that was on them has been removed and so now they are trying to clothe themselves or cover themselves with uh, with a way that's not of god and so the sowing of fig leaves is the first act of religious motives or ritual-based religion that we find in scripture And so religious-based motives or ritual-based motives, that is not a true, intimate, personal relationship with God. Adam and Eve tried to cover up the fact that they had sinned. And so let's be practical and let's be real with each other today. We do this as well. We do this all the time. It's not a mystery that we're sinners. It's not some hidden fact that you and I were sinful. We mess up. We fail God. And so, when we as Christians, we as the blood-bought church, when we do sin, when we do realize that what we have done, the snare that we have fallen into, is sin, so many times we try to cover it up. We try to hide the fact that we're sinners. We try to hide it before a holy God. We try to hide it before our peers. We try to hide it before our family. We try to hide it before our pastors. And so, so many times we cover up our sins with religious acts. And so, in our minds, we think, okay, I've sinned, so now I must go to church. Now I must go to church and wear my best clothes. And so while church is a good place, it's a fantastic place for hurting and sinful people to come, because there you'll find God's Word proclaimed and God's Word expounded upon to where you can hear the truth and you can repent and you can come to Jesus or return back to Jesus. But in the mind of a Christian, a lot of times it's not, I need to go to church to hear Jesus and get closer to Jesus. It's the fact that I need to go to church to check it off the list. Or it's, I need to go to church to just perform this weekly religious act. And as I'm performing this weekly religious act, I will, in essence, be forgiven of what I've done. And that will make up for the wrongdoing that I have just committed. And so, what Christians do so many times is we try to cover it up with religious acts. And so, in our minds, we think, okay, I've sinned. So now. I don't want my testimony to be ruined, I don't want people to know, I don't even want God to know, and so I'm going to church, I'm going to give my testimony at small group, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray. And so all of these things should be done, should you go to church, absolutely. Should you attend a small group? Absolutely. Should you pray and read your Bible? Absolutely. Every single day you should not leave the house, should not go to bed without seeking the face of God, without diving into his infallible, his inerrant, his inspired word of God. You need that in your life every single day. They should be done. But when we operate out of religious ritual and false motives, it becomes wrong in itself. And so it becomes not an act to grow in our relationship with Jesus, but now it's an act of just going through the motions, ritual-based Christianity, going through the religious side of things. And so God wants us to live a godly life. He's called us to that all through the New Testament. He wants us to live that godly life. But he doesn't want us to do it because we're trying to cover up for our own sin. So that's what Adam and Eve were doing. They realize they had sinned, and now they're producing counterfeit motives because of their sin. They are covering up what they have just done. So that they're, they're going to think God's not going to notice. And, well, Adam and Eve, we, we, we're just going to look at each other like we used to because now we're covered up again. And so oftentimes we think, I can sin on Friday. I can do what I want on the weekend. But then going to church on Sunday will cover up my sin And not that we're going to church to repent. We're going to church to just get our name checked off the list so that now we can say, okay, I'm good. I've been to church. And listen, friend, that's not the case at all. That's not how the gospel works. The gospel doesn't give you a list of things you have to do to be forgiven. The gospel says to be forgiven, you just come to Jesus. You just seek the blood of Jesus. And that is where forgiveness comes into play. So I want to ask you. Your church attendance, your Bible study, your prayer life, your just devotion to Jesus through servanthood. Is it religious based or are you doing it out of a servant's heart wanting to grow mightily in your relationship with Jesus? Listen, sometimes sin can get such a stronghold in our life to where even our religion, and I don't even like calling Christianity a religion because we have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. We're not like Buddhists. We're not like Muslims who serve a dead God. We serve a living God. We serve an alive Savior. And so we have a personal relationship with him that we can communicate with him. We can study his word. We can grow in our relationship with him. And so if we're just acting religious in the moment, we're not truly growing. And so we we must be very careful that sin in your life and in my life is not producing counterfeit motives. And so then we go on. Sin produces escape mode. Sin produces escape mode. So verse 8, we see in the Bible, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And notice this. And Adam, his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And so now they take this sin and what it's producing in their life to a whole new level. They started out just covering up their sin, but now they're going to try to hide from God. Not only just hide their sin, but they themselves are going to hide from God. And I can imagine Adam and Eve, and basically I can feel how they felt in this moment. The wording here in the original Hebrew should be, heard the sound, the Hebrew word used for voice should be sound, and so God had not yet spoken to them, all he was doing was walking in the cool of the garden, and so imagine with me, let's use our imaginations right now, uh, we've all played hide and go seek at a time in our life, and so maybe go back to your mom when you were a kid, maybe go back a couple of years ago, maybe you've played hide and go seek in the recent years, and so just take your mind back to a time when you played hide and go seek. And so you have that really good hiding place. You think, man, nobody's going to find me here. I'm hidden so good. I'm hidden away from everybody. But then you hear the one that's seeking you come walking by. And so they don't say anything. They're not calling your name. They're just walking really slow. They're just walking really loud. And you can hear their footsteps just getting closer And closer and closer to you. And your heart starts beating faster. You're thinking will they find me? Am I hidden good enough? And so we've all been in that situation when it's fun. And the adrenaline kicks in and it's a great time. But now imagine Adam and Eve. They once just probably the day before walked in this very garden with God. They just had walked in the cool of the day. Hand in hand in perfect relationship with God. They talked with God. They had a close personal relationship with God. But now the very one that created them and breathed life into them, they are hiding from him. And friend, we do this all the time. We act like Adam and Eve so much when we shouldn't. David did this after his great sin with Bathsheba. For over a year, he ran away from God, trying not to let God know that he had sinned. And we're just as guilty of David. We're just as guilty uh, as Adam and Eve And so when we're guilty, our first response a lot of times is, I'm going to run as far as I can away from it. Because that's what we're taught. We're taught the escape mode, that when something we don't like comes up in our life, we don't go head on to what's happening, we run away from it. And so if we want to avoid somebody at school, or we want to avoid somebody at work, you see them coming down the hallway, what do you do? You cut down the next corner. And so we've had instilled into us this escape mode that we are to run away from situations we don't like. And so... That's what Adam and Eve are doing, and that's what we do a lot of times with God. When we realize we've sinned. We run and we run and we run away from God, thinking he'll not know I've sinned. If I just stay away from him long enough, he'll forget that I've sinned. He won't know that I've sinned. He won't bring the sin back up. And so, in essence, what we're doing is we're not getting closer to God. We're making things worse. We're pushing ourselves further away from God. So we try to run away from God thinking that he'll not know. And so all the while, instead of running from God, God just wants us to run to him. He wants us to embrace him. He wants us to run closer to him so that he can help us. But too, far, but too often, we're guilty of fleeing the scene. We're guilty of fleeing our relationship. And so in our sinful state, Satan wants us to run. Satan wants to tempt us. Satan wants us to sin. Satan wants us to have counterfeit motives. Satan wants us to run from God. But God wants you to embrace. He wants to embrace you. He wants to embrace you right where you're at in your sin. He wants to help you right where you're at. That way, that is why he sent Jesus so that we could have forgiveness of sin, so that we can embrace the blood that was shed for us on Calvary. That was Jesus' plan to redeem fallen man. So instead of running from Jesus, instead of running from God, we are called to run and embrace God and run right to Him. And so today, today, are you in flight mode? Are you in escape mode from God? Can you see where there might be counterfeit motives in your life? Can you see where there's an area of your life where you're trying to escape the presence of God? If there is, I encourage you. Listen, the Bible tells us to run to God. And he'll forgive us just like the prodigal son. The father is there. God, the father is there waiting for us, wanting us to run to him. To embrace embrace his forgiveness, that's what he wants. Satan will lie to you and say, oh, you need to go away from God. God will not accept you. Listen, where our sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Romans 5 says that. So that means where, where our sin did go, where how deep our sin was, how nasty our sin was, his grace goes that much further. His grace can cleanse even the most wicked of sin that we could ever commit in our life. Also, sin produces utter hopelessness. Sin produces utter hopelessness. Verse 9 says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? I believe this is one of the most terrifying verses in Scripture, especially here in Genesis chapter 3. And so especially in the beginning of the Bible, as Jesus is walking around, Adam and Eve are hidden from God thinking they have, have him fooled, but a lesson they learn and one we need to learn is God sees all, God knows all. And so when you and I think he doesn't see or he doesn't know what we're doing or hear what we're saying, he already knows. So honestly, I don't understand why we try to hide something from God. And I, I'm guilty of this too, so I'm not just preaching at you. And so while we try to hide things from God, if he already knows what, we, what we've done— So if he knows everything, why do we try to hide things from him? So anyway, God knows where they are at here in Genesis 3, but he speaks out loud to them and says, Where art thou? And what a phrase. Imagine you're hiding from God the Father because you have deliberately disobeyed him. And now he's saying, Hey, where are you? That is enough to send chills down the spine of any born-again Christian. The thing here is his question is deeper than just, oh, I'm over here, God. I'm hiding behind a tree. The question is much deeper than that. And it's very, very sad to know the answer. God, with his heart literally breaking for mankind in this very moment, says, hey, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you at? And the correct answer is, God, I'm lost in utter darkness. God, I'm lost in complete darkness despair. And so sin produces in mankind lostness, separation from God. And that's where Adam and Eve were at. He wasn't saying, hey, are you behind a tree? I think the question is deeper. Hey, spiritually, relationally, where are you? Adam and Eve had to say, we're lost. We're in utter darkness. And friend, listen to me. You have also been in the very same place that Adam and Eve were at in their life. You've been there in your life, and possibly you're there now. All of us have been asked by God, where are you? Where are you spiritually? Where are you currently? His invitation to join the family is available to everyone. So my question for you right now, no matter who you are listening to this podcast, my question for you is, where are you? Are you currently lost in utter darkness? Ephesians chapter 2, the beginning verses, verse 1, 2, and 3 says that we were dead to sin. That, that that wording there means we were literally lifeless before Jesus. We were followers of Satan. The verse goes on to say that Satan was literally our father. We went after the principalities and the rulers, we went after the the ways of the world. Satan was our father. But then verse 4 steps in and says, "But God, who is rich in mercy, offered us his great love." And so my question for you is, where are you? Just like God asked Adam and Eve, "Where are you?" Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you truly on your way to heaven? Are you truly bought by the blood of Jesus? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? If you have, then you're not lost in utter darkness. You could be slipping in sin, but you're not losing your salvation. You're secure in Jesus. But today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, what's stopping you? Right now, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus, you're lost in utter hopelessness, and the only hope you have is Jesus. And today, maybe, are you saved? Are you in a restored relationship with Jesus? That's where I pray you're at. I pray you are in that restored relationship with Jesus. God did not design us to be in utter hopelessness, and utter darkness. God designed us to be in relationship with him. And he has went to such great lengths to offer you and I a restored relationship with him. Maybe today you are saved, but you're not in a growing relationship with Jesus. Where are you? What's well, causing you not to grow In your relationship with him. So today think about where are you in your relationship with God. And that sin produces an accurate fear. Sin produces an accurate fear. We look at verse 10. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And so here we find that once Adam and Eve were in great relationship with God. Now they are afraid of God. And so mankind, before they ate the forbidden fruit, they did not fear God. They had, as I've mentioned several times, a perfect relationship with God. They had talked with each other, shared with each other, communicated with each other, walked with each other. They had a perfect relationship, no need for fear, because there was nothing to hide. But now because of the sin of mankind, we ought to fear God. Mankind fears God. Adam and Eve said because of their sin that they now have a fear of God. And now you and I were called in Scripture to have that same accurate fear of God. And again, this type of fear is not trembling, but it's a fear that's produced because of our sin. It's not a type of fear that you have when you go to a haunted house. This is a type of fear that's in awe of who God is. It's called a reverential awe of God. It is a fear that He alone is the one that determines if I live forever with Him or if I spend eternity in hell. And that's determined by if we've placed our faith in Jesus. Not that he chooses who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. It's solely determined by if we've placed our faith in Jesus. So this type of fear is, I'm a sinner, and he is God. He is almighty. He is righteous. He is holy. He is sinless. And so it's a fear because once Adam looked on God and even heard God walking, he realized, God is so perfect, and I'm such a sinner. And that is the attitude we need to have as we approach God, humility. Hey, God, I'm so unworthy. God, I'm such a sinner, and you're so righteous, you're so holy, you're so pure. That's the attitude we need to have. In all of God's righteousness that we are sinful. And then lastly, sin produces accusing actions. Sin produces accusing actions. So let's look on at verse 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Verse 12. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave of the tree, and I did eat. Verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And so here as we close, it's really something we ought to think about. So do not tune out right here at the last part of the podcast. Listen to this last point really, really quickly. Adam has been called out, he's been confronted by God, and this you think would be the time for Adam to say, all right God, I've sinned, I'm raising my hand, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, I'm confessing right now about my sin. But rather, God has to basically pull it out of Adam that he is a sinner. And immediately when God said to Adam, who told you that you were naked, Adam began to cast the blame onto someone else. And he was not being the adult the grown up that he should be and owning up to his failure, he immediately tells God, well, you know what, God, you gave me this woman and the woman that you gave me, she made me eat of the tree. And so basically he's blaming the woman, his wife, and he's also, he's blaming God for his own failure. And so he immediately blames him. So so what? You're So Adam's going to blame God for his sin? That is exactly what he does. And a lot of times we do the very same thing. We sin, we're confronted with our sin, maybe by a spouse, maybe by parents, maybe by God. And we say, you know what? Well, so-and-so made me do it. Well, God made me do it. God created this thought. God created this, this, this desire. So therefore, it's not wrong. God created it. Then you go on in the passage, and Eve is confronted by God, and she blames the serpent. And she says, you know what? The serpent beguiled me. He caused me... To sin. And so that is all Satan can do in our life. He can tempt us, but at the end of the day, he cannot make us sin. So listen Eve could tempt Adam, but she could not make Adam sin. The serpent could tempt Eve, but the serpent could not make Eve sin. At the end of the day, we must own up to our own failure. We must own up to our own sin and realize that we are sinful and we are the ones that have deliberately disobeyed and rebelled. Against God. So today you might be blaming your sin, you might be blaming your actions on a friend, on a spouse, on a child, on a parent, on God even. But you know what, today we are responsible for our own sin. We're responsible for what comes out of our mouth. We're responsible for the thoughts that we act on. We're responsible for the actions that we do. We're responsible for rebelling and sinning against God. So the only one that's called into question is you and me for our own sin. Because you and I alone are the ones that made that decision to sin. And so I hope this has been encouraging, but I hope it's been eye-opening. If you take these two podcast episodes about Genesis chapter three, put them together and see Satan's traps and then see once you fall into sin, what it can produce in your life if it goes unchecked, if you do not repent. And so I encourage you today, I urge you today That if you have counterfeit motives, if you are just living a life away from God, running from God, if you are accusing others of your sin, let's be the Christian that God has called us to do. We're sinners. We know that we are. Jesus paid for our sin already. So instead of running from him, let's run to him and let's embrace his blood and his forgiveness and his redemption. And if you're not saved, listen, today's the day of salvation. Accept Jesus while there's still time. As always, have a great Friday and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.